Hey guys, if you want updates on our latest episodes, then be sure to subscribe to the Film Colossus podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Also, if you'd like to support the show and hear episodes ad-free, then subscribe to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash filmcolossus. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. My name's Chris Lambert. And my name is Travis Bean. Welcome to Film Colossus. Your guide to movies. Wow, what what an entrance. I know, really trying to bring the energy but not bring language into it. Right, you don't want to scare them off. No, no, of course not. You want to be normal, act normal. Just be normal, Travis. And while we're on the topic of being completely, utterly normal, I would like to now talk through Patrick Swayze's entire filmography. <laughs> it's the most normal thing you could have mentioned and we'll brought up. We'll start at the beginning. I'm guessing like The Outsiders or something and mm-hmm. go to the end, which I, he had to do some movie after Johnny Darko, right? Yeah. I'm surprised you don't know this. I'm like, you're asking me. You... Uh, I'm feigning ignorance. Of course, I know every movie in order. <laughs> of course. Of course. Uh, other natural things, mm-hmm. uh, the movie that we're talking about today, The Wailing, mm-hmm. uh, lots of normal, natural, common occurrences. Yeah, I mean, just the other day, I had to fight off a zombie, and I just <laughs> threw a hoe in the back of its head. Is that what they, they put in his head, a hoe? Yeah. That's... Yeah, so it, t- this was like Sunday morning for me. Oh, nice and normal. Like uh, I went fishing, you know, um, <laughs> then that was fine. Yeah, but, and, and you caught something. You didn't know what you were going to catch, but you did catch it. That is very true. And then I was walking back to my car. I tripped and fell and looked over and somebody was eating my fish. And then you tripped and fell like eight more times. Yeah, there's so much tripping and falling. <laughs> it's a it's a fantastic motif in this movie. <laughs> you think you have your f- footing under you, you know? You think you can just walk in a direction, but yeah. no. This movie, every choice this movie makes is perfect to the T. <laughs> uh yeah so the wailing mm. uh i yeah this is one that came to our attention we we're looking up movies that we should write about mm-hmm. and one that kept coming up was the wailing the wailing the willing uh wailing gok song and i didn't think much of it for a little bit but after seeing it make so many lists and kind of be mentioned again and again and yeah the word like wailing is also very uncommon there's Mm. something kind of alluring about it um my daughter constantly wails so it's become (laughs) every day for me yeah it's it's normal again normal this movie very normal part of day-to-day life uh i remember we watched it and I had no idea what to expect. I had it watched a trailer, had it prepared in any way, shape, or form. I guess that it was a horror movie based on that title. Mm. Uh, but I had no idea what to expect. And I hadn't watched any of uh, Nahang Jin's other films before this, um, The Chaser, The Yellow Sea. So I think the last like South Korean movie I had watched before this was like the Toronto International Film Festival that we went to in like 2015. Um, and we saw Cold Eyes, was it? Was that 2013 oh, or yeah. 2014? Um, I believe that was 2013. Yeah, Cold Eyes was fantastic. Yeah. So like South Korean cinema is something that I've been wanting to dive into a bit more. And I know they have a pretty rich like horror uh, oh, yeah. section. 
So the whaling was just something <laughs> that was another reminder that like South Korea has something special going on in its film industry. Yeah, they have a, I guess the commonality I've noticed anyway, I, I, I too have limited experience with their cinema, but uh, very slow burn. Um, a lot of like steeping in the imagery of like the mountains and the nature and just kind of like the wide fastness there. Um, and it's a lot of people kind of like, I feel like it evokes a feeling of seclusion, of isolation, of like trying to figure out life in the world when like you feel so separated and and everything feels so spacious. It's a very unique toe that the, a lot of the movies I've noted that I've seen anyway have. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mentioned that it was the only one I watched between cold eyes that's not true i had watched old boy and the handmaiden oh yeah um and the handmaiden like you, everything you're talking about like slow burn like the handmaiden was i mean old boy of course is like a a, a classic yeah. but the handmaiden was one of the best movies i think i watched in the last decade nice um, have, have you seen burning i have not seen burning it's a good one i think we should write about that one actually okay that sounds good to me yeah, I mean, absolutely. <laughs> mm. But it's I never... similar there. Like it's it's just somebody kind of like meandering, wandering, uh, like a coming of age movie. Someone who's trying to figure out life when everything just feels so unreachable. You know, mm. poignant, poignant. Yeah, I've never watched Snowpiercer either. Oh yeah, yeah, I saw that back when it came out. Hmm. I need to catch that at some point. I remember starting it like right after it hit streaming or HBO or something and um, not getting into the first few minutes and being like, I'll come back to this. And then yeah. it's been a decade. <laughs> <laughs> You'll pick up right where you left off. Yeah. Just the opening scene. <laughs> <laughs> not too difficult. Um, I don't know, what was your, had you heard of the whaling uh, prior um... to us? I don't think up. so. My, I think my experience was the same as yours. Like we heard about it as we just kept researching what movies we should cover. And you re really realized this movie had a big cult following. It was the kind of movie that had like a hundred Reddit posts made about it. Like people yeah. asking like, what was this? What did this mean? Like, why was this happening? Um, so it seemed pretty prime for what we do. Um, maybe more specifically what Chris does. I think you really like delving into these mystery movies it, it reminds me of prisoners actually a lot um how there's like this overarching mystery going on and you're not sure like who to believe or who to trust like who's doing the right thing or the wrong thing and um those movies kind of naturally ask for audience participation like you're kind of there alongside the characters as they make decisions and you're kind of wondering if they're making the right or wrong decisions um so i i enjoy those kinds of movies so like i and knowing that this movie was a mystery and like hey a zombie movie i'm way into that um i guess kind of zombie movie maybe like <laughs> evil spirits i guess is more more accurate but um on paper it had all the makings of something i would enjoy for sure yeah um then i i mean when i watched it it kind of blew me away like i just remember I don't think I'd seen a horror movie that was so such a mix of comedy and just like serious drama in the way that it like gets to like, there's so many funny parts throughout this movie that are kind of like dopey, unintentional humor rather mm -hmm. than I think some of the more like, of course, you know, you have the, the pointed humor in something like scary movie, which is just like over the top and doesn't really have a scary factor to it, even though it's in the horror genre, mm -hmm. technically, I guess it's a spoof genre, but um, the comedy in this is just so consistent and really disarms you to some of the, the increasing tension of uh, the characters and what they're facing and really like where we get to by the end of this movie that it's uh, just so impressive to me that by the end when like 
Jonggu is like having to make this decision about whether he trusts uh, the woman in white or he trusts the shaman. It's just you completely forget about the humorous moments that have been building up through <laughs> it. It takes like, a turn. Yeah, I don't. And it's like you can see that energy coming. Like it's just like step after step after step as each minute passes by, you can feel the tension increasing. Yeah. But Jangu is like so <laughs> humorous throughout and so kind of like naive to it for the first like hour and a half that by the time it really does take that turn who yeah yeah i um i agree about the overall tenor of the movie like i definitely like a a movie that has it all that can like mix in humor and flair with debilitatingly uh <laughs> grim setting um uh, and it's mostly, I would say it's mostly in the beginning, the humor's there. It's like a really nice flow that it has with uh, John Goo and like his police partner and like the banter they have. But then eventually when the shaman comes in, like I, I think that guy kind of steals the show in this movie. Like yeah. he's my guy. And I, <laughs> I do like his sort of like, he's got this very like witty, sarcastic tone. And eventually, it, and after you find out like who he is and he's a bad guy working with the evil spirit, like... Like, damn, that guy is, he's basically just rubbing it in people's faces. Like, he's just, he's so much better than them. And it's just constantly manipulating them. Um, but yeah, there is a, a nice balance of all that throughout. Uh, but it does, uh, the humor definitely, like, uh, alleviates at some point. It becomes a very grim movie. Like, <laughs> yeah. you're just watching Jean Gu, like, not know what to do. Um, and I will say that, uh, as much as I like the balance that the movie has, I think the movie kind of picks up in the second half, maybe even in the last like 45 minutes. Yeah. Um, when John Goo's really like back against the wall, he's got to figure out what the hell's going on to save his daughter. There is a certain urgency to the movie that it gains that I, I thought was welcome that maybe could have been used throughout a little bit more. No, I'm yeah. The urgency that does come in, especially like you compare it to the opening scene where not the opening scene but our introduction to John Goo when oh. they call him and it's still dark outside and they're mm -hmm. like hey there's been this murder you need to come down here because you know <laughs> you're a sergeant like come down and be part of this and he's like okay and then by the time we see him like dressed and ready to go like the sun's coming up it's dawn the sun's not like fully out yet but it's like the silver of early morning uh, much different than when he was initially called and then he stops and eats <laughs> yeah. and by the time he finally gets to the crime scene like so much time has passed that it kind of gives this impression it's one just like great characterization yeah. of him and a little like how out of sorts he is and maybe how like incapable he's going to be of dealing with this thing and I love the fact, too, that over the course of the movie, we see him gain in confidence in that urgency, mm -hmm. in the capacity to where we think like, oh, you know, maybe he's going to make the right decision. Maybe he's going to figure this out. And then he ultimately panics and makes the wrong decision. I mean, which we'll get into, I'm sure, about the debate of whether or not he actually could have done anything at the end. Mm -hmm. Um we're going to debate it's, hard, too. <laughs> it's it's that thing of the choice he makes was set up from that earlier part of him being, like, a little yeah. lazy, a little, like, not detail-oriented, a little just, like, out of sorts that it was kind of a fatal flaw that we see from the very beginning. And it's a thing that comes back to bite him even after he had been so, like, go, go, go and getting it together. Yeah, that's a great point. Like, it, the character work in the movie is really, really good. Uh, like, everybody is so clearly outlined and defined, especially John Goo, as you're describing. Like, you kind of fully understand who he is and what kind of person is being thrust into a situation that would make anyone shit their pants, let alone somebody who's like a bumbling fool who <laughs> never really took his job seriously. Um, and to see him, like, gain confidence gain bravery um to sh to finally see him like 
he's forced to gain some character throughout the movie. Like he could have coasted the rest of his move, his life, just, you know, being who he was, but like this situation kind of forces him in another direction. But as you've known, it doesn't necessarily mean he makes the right decision in the end. In the end, he's still a human being who makes the wrong decision. Um, so to watch someone go through that, that is, that that's not something I think a, a lot of movies could handle. Like, I think this movie does a really good job of keeping us aware of the kind of character he is. And by the time he does make the wrong decision, like it does make sense. Like you do see that guy that was like thrust into the situation and, and panicked and didn't quite know what to do. It's, it's an interesting take on a character. I think we're used to just seeing like heroes who always make the right decision and like do the yeah. right thing in the end. Um, it is refreshing for a movie to take this route. Uh, as much as I have complained on the show about movies that are grim, um, I think it can be done right. And I think this movie does do it right because the whole journey, Jungu's whole journey is tied back to the faith and um, trying to understand like why things are happening to the people who are important to you in your life. Like that's a very tough journey and that's a very universal journey everyone deals with at some point. Um, and sometimes it ends tragically like that's just reality and to watch someone as real as him go through all that and in the end make the wrong decision and have to deal with tragedy i think that's just it just works it's something that we can see and reflect back to ourselves and recognize if debit is your go-to card discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too so check out discover cashback debit a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases that's right cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore whether it's a movie date flea market find or midday latte you can start earning cash back and did i mention there are no fees period Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank member FDIC. Yeah, the power of that, as like supernatural and bizarre as this movie is, the way in which it embodies something very real that we experience and a very real like fear that people have of that loss of control of when it comes time to make a decision like... Are you making the right one or the wrong one? And how can you possibly know? There's a lot that resonates. And what you're saying too about like how this movie feels different with what Jong-woo says at the end or does at the end. I just keep thinking about American horror and mm -hmm. how defined it is by the final girl. And it's not like we right. don't have horror movies that don't have tragic endings where the monster wins but we kind of like don't don't <laughs> like <laughs> i'm trying to i mean granted i'm not as big i'm sure that there's somebody that's just like chris you idiots right now yeah there's like this movie this movie this movie and this movie uh, horror heads i hear you i know it's out there please recommend but i <laughs> i think in terms of like mainstream like movie theater horror that's coming out a hereditary. lot of the time. Yeah. Hereditary is one of the few <laughs> that does it end with kind of the, the hero triumphant at all. Ooh. Mm. Um, and I guess a little bit with uh, the witch is another right. one that has more of the bleak ending. Um, but that's some of the, like the elevated, like, art horror that we've gotten yeah. in the last decade as opposed to True. kind of the mainstream um like not a 24 movie horror that's been coming out over recent years yeah it's like the the villain winning becomes more of like a philosophical statement that makes you think about like the whole journey of the movie and then like the aftermath of like what happens after you go in that journey right which is a huge difference between just like the entertainment value horror yeah. where it's just like like scream yeah you get to have this person survive so you feel like okay despite this like the scares which makes it a little more like roller coastery um than right. philosophical yeah uh, it, i mean they're surely those movies horror movies are philosophical but like I, I feel like what we're noting is like the ending you know like what was it um i feel like you call it maybe you called it a philosophical ending when we were talking about the lot when you wrote about the lobster oh yeah how absolutely. the end is like her just sitting in the restaurant you don't know if colin farrell is going to come back or not like 
that leaves you thinking about something like it's it's a movie that leaves you chewing on something as opposed to giving you something like completely resolved yeah and a lot of i'm thinking of uh now as i make that statement i'm also flashing back to uh some of the paranormal activity movies as well as what blair witch so yeah the the demons went in that one in those movies yeah which you know team demon absolutely you know (laughs) sometimes people need to be taught a lesson my goodness not john Uh, though that that poor guy yeah poor like uh, the actor uh oh man like kwok duan just is so good yeah i like the performance he gives is just so so amazing like everybody in the film's like impressive but oh yeah that daughter is crazy good I know she's so terrifying. The fact that she's like so natural and sweet in the first like few bits of the movie, and then yeah. the looks the she's range. giving by the end, she's just like, "I'm gonna watch her just, career." Holy shit! Yeah, can we just give her an Academy Award? <laughs> like <laughs> seriously, uh, because that is like a supporting a supporting role is fantastic. I will say though, um, as much as I totally agree about the performances, especially Kwok Duan, like or however you say his name, I'm very sorry if I'm, if I'm butchering it. Um, I, I've always enjoyed this movie. Like, and I think a lot of that has to do with ties back to when you wrote about the whaling at first, when we kind of agreed to write about it. And I was helping out a little bit and watching the movie along with you. I think I watched it twice, like right away and was really into, really into all the narrative threads that are being tied together in the movie like i love sitting down and trying to figure all that out um but i think in this last watch what stuck out to me the most is i'm not super into the energy and flow of the movie as much as i appreciate like that it's a balanced movie and there's a lot of different parts like humor and horror and drama it's i like all that it is a little like static sometimes um mm. which is probably a purposeful choice um, I've seen a lot of South Korean movies that are like like Burning, for instance, is like that. Yet Burning, I think, has more, still has more energy somehow. Um, basically, I don't know if the movie always supports or accelerates his performance as much as I'd like it to. Like sometimes it does feel like it's just like a long shot of not a necessarily a long shot, but like he's kind of like far away in the frame like giving like a riveting performance and i'm just like oh man you got to get up in that shit like you got to give me more of this guy um there's just a lot of moments like that in the movie that i i noticed particularly this time that i thought that guy could have gotten a little more cinematic help if you know what i mean oh see i like the the wider yeah it's a choice shots i i'm I'll go on record again. I've been on record before. I'm not a big fan of medium close-ups and close-ups. You have said that. Yeah. It's the thing that makes me think the Lord of the Rings movies aren't interesting, <laughs> which is such... Do you like, also ins- think like every movie ever made isn't interesting? Kind of. I mean, if they have... <laughs> no, it's just like the over-reliance on that kind of shot when I think the movie calls sure. for like some wider... I like more of a mix um, uh, and I th- yeah. think that there was a time in like the 90s and 2000s, especially in American cinema, where like medium close up and close up were just like so, so, so overly used. Uh, and then recently, not recently, but maybe starting like mid 2000s, that started to change up a little bit. I just always think of the the difference between the last few Pierce Brosnan, James Bonds, uh, to <laughs> Casino Royale. And like that switch from the medium close-up driven uh, Hollywood blockbuster to the not medium close-up driven, more like not quite indie, but auteur style of Casino Royale mm-hmm. um, is much more what I what I dig. I understand that. I mean, obviously, it's just a purely subjective, like what you enjoy more. 
I, I have also gone on record, though, several times in this podcast and said, I don't care what way, <laughs> shape, or form it's done. I just need it to be done well. So that's my only stipulation. Yeah. See, I think too many medium close-ups is not done well. I think if it if it flows, if it has energy, if it's part of the aesthetic, like if all those things are lining up, I don't care what angle you're going at. Like I just want to feel it. You are much kinder than me. <laughs> Actually, we're both like harsh in our own ways. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. So I take that back. Um, <laughs> you heard me bitch about prisoners for an hour and a half. Yeah. Uh, one thing you were saying earlier, but it, yeah, there is like moments where this kind of like slows a little bit before it starts hitting the the gas pedal again, whether mm-hmm. that's like a choice or yeah, it's the ebb and flow of the movie. Yeah. Um, but you were mentioning earlier about this idea of like the randomness of these things, like the, the fishing reference. Mm-hmm. And that was the thing that uh, for people that haven't looked up this movie before or um, read our article about it, uh, the writer director, uh, Na Hong Jin, he said that this movie was the byproduct of him losing several people who were very close to him in a short time frame and none of them were through natural causes which is like such a painful thing to hear yeah. described because the implication of that is just uh um and it actually caused him to have like a huge crisis of faith and this idea of death being indiscriminate and this thing that can just like visit and wreak havoc and leave you with all these questions and not having answers. And he decided to defamiliarize that through this movie and through uh, the ghost inhabiting the Japanese man and the shaman and wondering why any of this is happening. And it's like, it kind of is out of your control. It is this indiscriminate thing. And we see not only that powerlessness that Jong-gu has to deal with, but that idea of choice that he's presented with that feels, I think, ultimately a little ironic in that whatever he chose probably didn't matter. Right. I mean, maybe technically. We do get the implications. Like, when he runs back, we see the um, the wilting of the, the flower that was hanging from the door that was causing protection. We do see the way... in in which the the guards put up by the woman in white caused the shaman to like throw up like blood yeah. and like all of his guts essentially um and have to flee the area because those were her wards but at the same time the cross cutting at the very end makes the implication that by the time Jonggu gets home his daughter had already murdered the family it's not like as soon as he crosses the threshold, yeah. she lunges into action. Like his family was gone before he did that. And it still seemed like that was the tipping point, not him leaving the woman in white, but him crossing the threshold of his family home and breaking the ward. Um, so that I think was one of those things where it's like, oh, he could have he could have prevented it. It's like, I don't know. If he could have. Oh, so you think the daughter had already killed everyone for sure? I think so. Okay. Because the uh, timing of that, yeah. if he like crosses in, I don't think she has uh, like the time needed to like murder the mom and the grandma in the few seconds it takes for him to get yeah, through the is, gate into the room. This is the difference between me and you watching a movie. I, I don't know. I, I don't think the timing really matters. Like to me, it's just a... Uh, it's a creative choice. Like it's just part of the aesthetic. Like it's, it's part of John Goo's journey of like, he's, who does he put his faith in? He chooses the wrong thing. And because of it, the same happens. Um, I think the second you start putting it in like reality and time, like I, it, it would, it would fall apart, but I choose to just ignore that and, and keep it into what the struggle is of the movie. And so I, in my mind, the second he crosses that barrier, then the daughter goes to town and chops everyone up. I would argue it's not that it the logic falls apart. It just changes from he had a choice to he doesn't 
he didn't have a choice. Like, but I don't think the movie is about he didn't have a choice. Like, do you, that's that's so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like right? the, the movie would just be like everything's fucked and you have no control. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's... I just don't <laughs> think the movie is really doing that the whole time. I think the movie is we're watching Jangu struggle through something and like his faith being tested and him trying to choose who to choose. like that is the whole journey for it to just end with like, eh, it didn't matter what you did ever because you were always going to lose everyone you love. Like, I guess I wouldn't know what point this movie is really making. It would just be totally nihilism. I mean, it would be making the point of just that, that journey that we think we have with control ultimately to find out when it comes to like death, our control is very, like lacking, um, mm-hmm. which yeah. is m- much bleaker of <laughs> of a of a statement, and I think, but that's also kind of I think the duality of why the ending is a little uh, messy is not quite the right word, but I feel like so much of the movie is so careful to have that timing thrown off. There is either. It was just a way to get through what they were doing, and they were hoping that people wouldn't be like me and be like, hey, wait a second. Mm-hmm. Um, and still take it the way that you're you're saying to take it. Like, I think mm-hmm. that's a perfectly fine argument for it. I just think it is done in a way that leaves room for the much more um, nihilistic reading uh coming from somebody that has just suffered all of this this grief it was trying to translate that grief and that pain yeah into something i guess that is as you describe it that does make sense maybe i'll amend it to like that's it's not necessarily the movie isn't making a point it's just making a point <laughs> i might not be that interested <laughs> yeah yeah because that's I, very different that, i guess that's true though like this guy went through something very traumatic and made a movie to reflect it like if this captures how he felt like about the world, about fate, about choice, uh, I mean, so be it. I won't, I won't know that myself until I experience it. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, the idea that he does have a choice in the way in which you have these warring, uh, these warring systems of belief telling you what to do and not knowing like which way to go it's such a it puts the individual in such a state of flux and smallness and the individual just wants to like have a good life save their family like have everything be okay and the fact that you have to decide between this woman in white and what she's telling you and the shaman and what he's telling you and the implications of one belief system over another and feeling crushed between them Mm -hmm. is i think such an amazing point to reach (laughs) yeah um you are you're describing something though I, i wanted to talk about like again i like this movie like I've always enjoyed it and feel a bit of a connection to it just because of what you wrote about it and how we work together on it. Um, but I, the, I think the one thing that threw me off this time, I think this was probably my least enjoyable viewing um, because as somebody who's seen the movie a few times now and read what you wrote and really just knows the movie front and back and kind of understands all the little pieces happening throughout um does kind of feel like a movie that's just building to a point that um, it, it, it's just building to this moment where Jungu has to make a decision. I I will say that the movie, again, and it goes through a lot of ebbs and flows, a lot of slow moments. It really steeps in his character and to a, in a sense, I appreciate that. But I think the movie, I think what would have helped this time watching it through is if that choice that he faces at the end was a little bit more part of the movie throughout like it, i mean ultimately it is like he chooses to choose trust the shaman he chooses to distrust the, the stranger like that's all there but it's felt so heavily in those final moments like whether to trust a woman a white or the shaman like i just wish that had 
that energy had been there a little bit more throughout. Maybe the movie was a little shorter, more efficient, and like was just more energetic about that struggle Janku's facing, you know? Um, Instead, like, I think it chooses to be more of just a character study and like build this character who then at the very end is forced to make a decision. Like, that's a choice, and I think that's cool. But I think personally, I would have enjoyed it more if it just, if it was a little more uh, flexible throughout, like had more character. I don't know how to describe it, but I just wish there was just more tension throughout, I guess. Yeah, because the actual structure is such is it's bringing Jangu to that moment of choice. But it's also essentially each scene is laying out some of the logic or foundation yeah. of what's happening, which means that as much as it's like it's still a story, but it's almost like seeing the assembly of each puzzle piece falling into place or mm-hmm. each like, okay, this scene is going to demonstrate uh, that there's this aspect going on and we need to have this aspect to set up this character moment or to set up part of the conflict that Jangu is going to face. Or for example, like he has to become unpure right he's a pure character until the moment that he hits the shaman or not the shaman the japanese man with his car and then at that point not even when he hits him with the car when they choose to throw the body over the edge of the road now suddenly jangu's no longer pure he's cursed and that opens the door for everything else that's going to follow but it's like you have to set everything up for that moment to where he makes that choice. And you could do it in a way that's just, as you're saying, a little more streamlined. When he first goes to the Japanese man's house, what if he just attacks him then? Mm-hmm. Or something happens then and like you cut out 40 minutes of the movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> but is that realistic in that way? Do you want to have yeah. that... like? happens so you have like the first encounter where it's just like a little more shy the second encounter where there's a little more conflict but they're both kind of standing their ground and then the last encounter where they go and chase the guy and uh end up hitting him with the car and throwing him over the edge so it's like it takes the time to set those things up which Mm -hmm. is something i very much appreciate sure yeah but in the way in which we've talked about kind of that post uh post cinema style of just kind of <laughs> getting into things yeah um, that setup might not be as appealing for you i mean the, there's tension in what i'm saying because i do like that the movie takes its time like i don't necessarily need a movie to be like full throttle out of control like constantly giving me information or anything um and I do like all of the things it's setting up throughout. Like you said, the puzzle pieces is saying it's setting up for it all come together at the very end and for Jungu to be, to be sitting there thinking about everything he's learned throughout and like trying to make sense of it. Like we're in the exact same position in that moment. Like the movie's cool in that way that it, that it becomes a big puzzle that we're trying to solve at the very end. And like you have a split second to make a decision. Like that's cool. Um, but yeah, I, I, you are right to point out that I, I do just appreciate I appreciate efficiency. I can't help it. I mean, what do you want from me? I I, I just I like a movie that's I, like you said, like there could just be a more streamlined approach. Like, yeah, you can take that approach. Like he counters the, the stranger like three times and each of those scenes takes takes a sweet ass time because we want to sit there and like have Jungle wonder if he's doing the right thing and like watch him go through the motions. Um, like, and that all is part of like his character building, like on paper, it all works. Maybe that's ultimately my point is like on paper, a lot of this movie works, but this particular watch, you know, this time, like for a two hour and 40 minute movie, I, I really felt the, the staticness this time. Like it, it just kind of struck me that in moments where like, I knew what was happening and I knew what I was supposed to be getting from it. Like it just kind of kept staying there and kept going with the same point and not really building the way I'd like. Uh, so 
efficiency is what strikes me as the thing that could improve this movie. But <laughs> like you're pointing out, people like this this kind of pace. So, you know, it just suits a lot of people's uh, what they want. I think that's a thing that can happen with any movie that we start watching multiple, multiple times. Like I loved the dark Knight the first time I watched the dark Knight, the first five times I watched the dark Knight, And now when I watch it, which happens, you know, every couple of years, um, I just, it's not the same mm-hmm. instead of just having those initial like in it for the highs or just being able to, be blown away by kind of the the main points that it's wanting me to make or that it's wanting to make and wanting me to kind of like take away the constructed feelings i start looking at it in a way that i couldn't before because i'm so familiar with it and then i start correcting it and i start Mm. being like well i wish it would have done this i wish it would have done that like uh it's doing this thing and i don't really like this thing on the other side, I've watched a movie like Picnic at Handing Rock three times now, I think. And that's a very slow movie. And like, like, it, like, just people, like rich people in fancy dresses, just like slowly moving around and like wandering and like looking into the sky and not doing anything. And I still eat that shit up. Like, I, <laughs> I to me, that pace is perfect for that movie. I think like so much is happening in those moments. So. Maybe if I watch this movie again, like I'd have a different take. But on this particular watch, it was just it just I just kind of had that feeling of like I'm just sitting here like watching nothing really happening and like I'm not getting the same thrust that I would be giving from another movie that's taken like I like again burning. I think that movie works really well. Like I think the way it steeps in its moments, like there's so much interplay between the characters, there's so much tension in a way that's striking me more than it is in the Wailing. It happens. It happens. It happens. happens. What was your favorite or what is your favorite part of the movie? I just really Jangu's whole struggle. The moment just whatever the moment clicks for him that he has to step up to save his daughter, like maybe the second time he visits the stranger and he's like really getting in his face and he's like he's not going to take no for an answer. Like he's going to, he's going to threaten this guy. Like he's going to scare him into like leaving her alone. There's just, uh, just watching his whole reaction to wanting to save his daughter. Actually, I specifically the moment where he thinks he has saved his daughter and he visits her in the hospital. Uh, um, it's just like all of the motions he goes through with his daughter in particular. Like I thought that all really hit. Again, I don't know if the filmmaker had always supported him, but I just thought like he was doing a great job and I really felt like he was really delivering that aspect aspect of the character storyline in a way that I it always grabbed me. I makes me wonder, this is your first time seeing the movie since becoming a, a parent. Yeah. Did that change the viewing? Were there anything that was more poignant, less poignant, more relatable, less relatable? Um, yeah, I mean, I think I just felt it maybe a little bit more, like overall. I don't know if anything specific happened that would have changed because my daughter's barely a year old. It's not exactly the same situation. Um, the only thing I will say that stuck out to me this time is... <laughs> the fact that I didn't think the filmmaking was supporting it as much as I like, because I have like, we talked about knock at the cabin, you know, and that movie, like I feel it like that movie really, really struck me as a new parent. And I really felt in step with those characters and they were trying to protect their daughter. This movie, all I could sense the whole time was like, I wish it was getting me more. Like, I wish I was pulled in a little bit more, but again, this actor is like, He's crushing it, man. So like he kinda he kinda brought it for me and like that moment in the hospital in particular, like I loved. Um, but yeah, that that w- I would say that's more what I took away this t- this viewing. Okay. Okay. How about you? Mm, I think my f- my favorite things so I have I have two. I, I think my favorite 
scene in the movie is definitely the or the last stretch, like the last few minutes. Everything from yeah, great the stuff. last conversation with the woman in white through the priest going to the cave and seeing the shaman reveal himself mm-hmm. or not the shaman, the the stranger reveal himself as this demon. Uh, I still remember that first viewing just going, is it is it going to go where I think it's going to go? Is it actually going to be that over the top yeah. <laughs> in a way? And that it went there made me so happy. And every time I watch it, I still get this sense of, ah, I'm so happy it went there. So It really does. That, <laughs> that is really, I think, a moment that I love. But there's more of a personal connection with when writing about this movie i think i was the first person i saw in terms of the the articles written trying to explain this movie that made the connection that the shaman's ceremony wasn't the thing that was affecting uh the japanese man Mm. it's cross-cut in a way that makes it seem like what the shaman's doing is affecting the Japanese man, but that they're actually two separate ceremonies that have nothing to do with one another. Mm-hmm. That the Japanese man's actually conducting a ceremony to get the ghost to leave the body of the Japanese man and temporarily possess uh, the guy in the, is it Jung Bay? The guy that's in the truck mm-hmm. in order to create, uh, in order to trap. Jung-gu into killing the Japanese man right. and thus taking an innocent life. So the shaman ritual is just strengthening what the demon's curse on the daughter and the demon's doing something completely different and that they're not connected and sorting that out and realizing that's what was going on. I was very proud of that. Uh, it's just one of my like... <laughs> and I was proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. That was one of my things like, ah, I am pretty good at this sometimes. And, and that's a moment for me too. Like I, I complained about it in prisoners and like, I think in general, maybe with a lot of mystery movies, it's something I'm not super interested in is like as much as I can enjoy piecing together, like the parts of a story and figuring out a mystery. I don't necessarily like when a movie is just that. And it isn't properly bringing out something bigger, like some sort of ideology, bringing its themes forward, like really reflecting some ideas back onto you. Um, if if it feels stale in that sense, then I like I'm just kind of annoyed and bored by a mystery movie. But I think the Wailing does such a great job of like this whole scene you're talking about, where cross cutting between the shaman and the stranger, and you thinking one thing leads to the other, when in fact they have nothing to do with each other that's a great thing on the director's part he's doing and including the audience in the movie. It is like you said, a big puzzle. Like we are being fed all of these different moments and being forced to consider who we trust and don't trust. Like what makes sense and doesn't make sense. Like what fits together and what doesn't have it to do with the other thing. Like it's all part of the movie's construction and part of the movie's aesthetic. The aesthetic is ultimately we don't know who to trust. Like you, you're sitting there the whole time trying to piece it together alongside John Gu. And these, these scenes are a great example of that, that it isn't yeah. until the end when you have that split second decision to decide like what to do, like, and you're thinking back to that moment, you're like, did they have anything to do with each other? <laughs> like the, it's the director toying with you and like forcing you to figure it out. And I think that's a cool part of this movie is that we are so included in that process. That's a great point about the form and function of that, because somebody could argue, why don't you just make it clear? Why does it have to be that mysterious? Is it there something that takes away from us? No, that's a that's a moment of form and function where it's a choice. Yeah, we need to be as uncertain about who is right, who is wrong, just like the enmeshed and tangled. We need to feel small compared to the forces at play right. the same way that jungu feels small compared to the forces at play and aesthetic choices like that 
put us in that position. Yeah. Mm. Um, so definitely appreciate that about it. And, and just overall, like it's, it's also just fun to like try to figure all that stuff out. Like when a movie confuses you that much and like, you're trying to figure out like how it connects and then having a moment like you had where you like finally figure out like, Oh, this is what it's doing. Like that's fun. Yeah, it is. It is the, I think the only thing that I still, even on this watch am a little like, what was going on there is still when the woman in white chases the Japanese man and drives him to the cliff edge mm-hmm. that causes him to go down. It's almost like, even though she's in support of John Gu, that she also wants to bring him to the point of having to make the choice right? or is part of some dance where like each are playing their part over this, like the battle for this guy's soul and to see. So it's still, I feel like there's still something with her. That's a little too vague. Um, yeah, we get so much information on the, the demon slash Japanese man and the shaman. We get the implication that he's been captured in a sense by mm-hmm. the demon. Like when he tries to flee, all these strange things start happening to him. That's a demon being like, Hey, you need to get back there. <laughs> get back to you work. Need to, yeah. You need to finish this job. Uh, that the woman in white feels maybe a little underdeveloped. Yeah. I, I, that's exactly what I was trying to say earlier is like, this decision John Goose confronted with at the end, like I feel like the movie could have brought her in a little bit more and made, there could have just been more of a narrative drive towards that decision. And for him to like, be wondering like who to trust of like these three people, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that moment where that, I feel like we talked about this at the time because back when, you were writing about this movie. I feel like we were talking about it a lot and like trying to figure things out. And I feel like one of the things we talked about is while the woman in white is running through the woods, you're not really sure who's chasing who in that moment or if anybody's chasing anybody. Because <laughs> if you think the woman in white is chasing the stranger, there is a moment where she like she turns around and looks over her shoulder like she's being yeah. chased. So like, again, the movie's kind of toying with you and not letting you know what's happening. To the point where I don't think there's really an answer at all. <laughs> Who's chasing who in that moment and why the stranger flies off the cliff. All we know is that he does. And because Jungu throws him off the side of the cliff, he commits a sin. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, her looking back over her shoulder gets me. Every <laughs> <laughs> I know. Every time I see that, I'm like, oh, wait, no. What is happening here? Ah. Oh. Yeah, she's chasing him. She, no. Mm. And also, that moment also reminds me of Tropical Malady a little bit. And that always makes me a little happy. Absolutely. A- any <laughs> movie that has somebody wandering through a forest is is an A-plus in my book. Yeah. Just, what a thing to do. <laughs> uh, but I'm glad this movie, shortly after we wrote about it, came out on Amazon Prime and it seems like that's been it's been out now on Amazon Prime for a few years, uh, which I think is pretty great to see. I'm glad uh, it continues to be one of our most popular articles. It seems to be a movie that's kind of entered uh, cinema zeitgeist in a way, at least to some extent that it's getting watched or searched. Uh, it seems a lot more than some other uh popular american movies uh that are now mm-hmm. i mean this came out in 2016 yeah it's got a bit of a cult following yeah seven years so this having like the cult following that it has and the page views that we see from it aren't just coming from uh korea right they're coming from all over the world so i'm yeah. happy that this is having that attention yeah i mean it must it must hit home you know like I mean, 2016, I, obviously, South Korea has its own politics and issues, but 2016 just makes me think of Trump and this, the world being thrown a little bit into turmoil, like there being a bit more of a divide and a little bit more existential 
dread, <laughs> like <laughs> trying to figure out your place in the world and why things happen. Like, I think this movie just in general has a, has a sense about the world and about living that probably just speaks to people in a, in a certain way that, you know, it, nothing's easy to figure out. You know, a lot of times nothing feels fair. Like this movie just kind of has that energy and, and what it's like to live a painful existence. Yeah. Well, that brings up two, which I mean, we're kind of running out of time a little bit, but uh, you mentioned Trump and that had me thinking about the way in which this movie treats the other the mm -hmm. outsider and that was such i mean not i don't think um the director was channeling american politics and talking right. about this but it's something that i think i've seen in japanese cinema and video games the idea of uh the korean that's in the area and in the mix and how they talk about um koreans in japan and mm -hmm. then the way in which this movie did the inverse having this Japanese outsider to this town and the scrutiny he faces, the suspicion he faces. Uh, and then what's the film saying when he is a demon? Mm -hmm. um, there's a whole talking point and conversation around that that I haven't seen much in the discussion about the movie. It seems on Reddit, the places that I've seen to discuss, the, the conversation tends to focus more on like, what happened mm -hmm. um but i'd be very curious to see or hear from others like some of their thoughts on the way in which people reacted to kind of the the outsider elements or the 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 foreigner in our community elements that are part of this film yeah that would be interesting yeah it's not necessarily that like we're trying to draw political lines around the director and like what he was trying to say but it's just worth noting that like this movie does have such an audience and this audience has it's been the last seven years like they're they're clearly reacting to something in that movie i feel like all of these things just they must speak to people yeah um where does it rank for you ah uh, yes i always forget we do this <laughs> uh let me pull them up I can probably figure it out pretty quick. Okay. My all-time rankings. Uh, do I have to explain the rankings every time in this show? <laughs> <laughs> They're just from when we started ranking the ranking in July of 2022. So if we haven't seen it since July of 2022, it's not on the list. All right. Um, so I have 370-something movies on my list. <laughs> It's probably up to 380, actually. I would put it in the... So as much as I enjoy this movie and have a connection with it, I can't deny that, like, stylistically, it's my kind of movie. Uh, for that reason... Not your I, kind of movie. Not not my kind of movie. Um, so I probably have it... I'm looking at the list here. Like in the 230-ish region. Whew. I did yeah. not expect it to be down there, down there. So it's in the the good section of my movies. Okay. I mean, that's a lot of movies that are good yeah. and above. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, as much as it sounds like I bitch and moan in this show, like I usually like most movies that I watch. <laughs> yeah, I think you have more movies above. So my, my neutral, I've only ranked 109 movies. And my neutral category starts at 68. Mm -hmm. So, okay, that means I have 67 uh, or 68 that are... So neutral starts at 69. So I have 68 that are, like, positive plus. I would say we're in similar territory then. Yeah, almost, like, 50 above. And there's not that many below. Like, my my under neutral starts at... 85 or 86 mm -hmm. um, with La La Land. <laughs> uh. But I I may change this later, but in terms of me being somebody that really loves scope and scale. Yeah. And it definitely has that. Yeah. I, I 
think I'd probably put this right now at number ten. Okay. Um, in the in the colossal category, so that's like the upper category Top can be tier. for me. Yeah, it's just below. Bo is afraid. Nice. Okay. Yeah. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the waylane. <laughs> <laughs> what uh? What's next? I do believe we're talking about under the skin. Under the skin. That's right. Okay. Beautiful. That's a movie like the Wailing is one where I'm like, ah, it, it, even if there are parts of it I don't enjoy, like I respect it. I don't know if I quite respect Under the Skin. <laughs> have you done your? Have you done the next watch of it? Yet? I haven't. So I am interested to watch it again. I've seen it twice now. Haven't liked it either time. Liked it a little less the second time. But, um, you know, that's the great part of rewatching movies is human beings just they they go up and down. We change constantly. And maybe I'm in a place now where I'll love this movie. We'll see. I'm going to convince you. (laughs) I doubt it, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay. Until then. See ya. Got a big question to ask.